Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and uh, we're being joined by Jason Cameron, a, a regular feature on Mondays. Hey, how you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. Weather's beautiful. Day's beautiful. And it's great having a day off. Yeah, no kidding. This has been, it's always nice to have these extended uh, times off and extend long weekends, and I'm loving it. Um, as Canadians... Uh, this is a holiday for all of us because it's NHL trade deadline day. So uh, all of us, you know, we woke up when we were a couple years old, put skates on, went out skating on the frozen ponds and all over the, you know, all over the map here. Uh, when, when we have a day like this where everybody knows that the trade deadline day, I wore my Hockey Night in Canada shirt today to sort of commemorate the occasion. Uh, I'm sure you were up at 5 a.m. to start watching all the details, weren't you? Of course I was. Oh my goodness, how could I not be up at five in the morning to watch all the all the all the trades and stuff? Yes, yes. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, you, you, you lose your Canadian status if you don't get up early and start watching. Uh, it was a, a a slower day because of the border restrictions, because of COVID, because of uh, flat cap world. Uh, one of the slowest NHL trade deadline days. 16 deals were made today involving 28 players and 16 draft picks. Uh, the Canucks, are our local team here, they dealt Adam Gaudet and Jordy Ben. Um, a lot of talk about Adam Gaudet being that patient zero, the COVID Mary, the guy that spread COVID to the entire roster of the Canucks team. And a lot of people uh, started getting on Twitter and uh, vilifying him and saying, good, he got out of here. He ruined our season. He got everybody sick. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, you can't blame one guy for getting sick. We all get flus. We all get sick over the year. Uh, somehow he's being blamed. But uh, the Canucks say it isn't regarding that. I believe him. Uh, he goes out of town, uh, bring back a guy from Chicago. Jordy Ben, a late pick, or I mean, a late trade uh, just before the deadline, I guess, uh, goes to Winnipeg. Uh, but uh, sort of quiet on the front here. The Canucks still haven't opened their practice facility because another guy tested positive yesterday. So uh, they're set to open it maybe tomorrow and uh, try to get some games in by the end of the, end of the week. But uh, it's been crazy here with the entire team getting COVID. Yeah, that is Absolutely nuts. And also, too, people have to take a chill pill. You got to take a step back. You know what I mean? Because I don't think anybody means to get this. I don't think Adam got out, went out there and willfully said, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm going to go into big rooms of people and just rub up on people and try to get this so I can spread it to my teammates. Like, come on, man. Man, a shake. All right. So he didn't mean to do what he did. It happened. And you know what? Teams had to deal with it, like just like any other professional sports league will have to deal with that. Uh, the Can Canucks Twitter universe is notorious for some of the nastiest comments, some of the most brutal guys out there, ruthless. Uh, they uh, uh, have got a bad reputation in this uh, league, in this city, uh, all over the North America for, for just being outright out ruthless. Today, they... Uh, Picked on Adam Gaudet as, as he went out of town and uh, 
we wish him all the best. Uh, he was a, a great contributor for a few years here in Vancouver, and, and I hope he's on to uh, even bigger and better things with Chicago and onwards. And uh, yeah, it's been crazy. Um, you know, this COVID has affected so many people, but it's really strange when it's affecting your team locally. Uh, so many people finish their day with a Canucks game and, uh, you know, get away from the trials and tribulations of their life. But uh, it's been very strange not having hockey for the past couple of weeks here and uh, all the way through this week as well. Um, but uh, yeah, just the guys blaming Adam Gaudet for it. I seemed, it seemed a little offside to me and, and not quite fair to him and his family. No, of course it's offside, man. Like, like I said before, it, it's, it wasn't intentional. It happened, all right? And then, yes, it does suck that we don't get our Canucks hockey. But at the same time, you know what? The Canucks still need a lot of work, people, as well. They're not that great this year. It was obvious, even without the COVID and all this other stuff. So with that being said, I wish Adam Gaudet the best um, in his, uh, in, for his future. And if this stuff happens again, and it will happen again, people, take a chill, chill out. All right. It's going to be all right. We'll be all right. Uh, we start um, the talk about the sporting world um, after that initial NBA talk with a little bit of sad news. Uh, games were postponed all over Minnesota tonight following a police shooting yesterday uh, in Minnesota. Uh, Minneapolis, uh, Duante Wright was uh, shot by the police uh, late last night. And um, uh, the Twins game against the Boston Red Sox has been postponed. The T-Wolves game against the Brooklyn Nets has been postponed. And the Minnesota Wild against St. Louis Blues, all those games have been postponed. Um, before I get on to more of the details, uh, Jason, uh, your thought about um, having to hear something like this again. Uh, we struggled through this with um, so much of the uh, initial Black Lives Matter movement and it's, it hit me hard. I know it's hit uh, most of North America hard. Um, your thoughts? Uh, it's, it's almost like we still haven't learned any lessons from what has happened in the past. We're, we're still trying to figure out that, you know what, maybe maybe going to the gun immediately isn't the right move. Like, if it doesn't have to be that move, maybe we shouldn't do that move in the first place. You know what I mean? And, like, the loss of life. Like, life is precious. And I wish the police forces, especially in the U.S., would take everybody's life as equally as important as their own. You know? That would be probably a good step in, in going forward. But, um, and I know it's unfortunate for me to say this, but I'm also too, I'm not surprised either. I really am not. I'm not surprised. I know that this is going to be a hard road. It's going to be a long road because it already has been and it will continue to be. But hopefully with the, the, the focus that we now have on these police shootings, now that there is so much intensity on it and scrutiny, they'll become less and less because of the fact that if you're going to do this, you better be, you better have all, you better be with, within your rights to do what you need to do with like uh, lethal shooting. Exactly, yeah. 
the um, the police have uh, try uh, are trying to enact a curfew that goes from 7 a.m. to 6 a.m. So nobody's allowed to be out of their house um, completely 24 hours in three counties around Minneapolis, trying to stop any riots, any type of um, social unrest, I guess. Um, uh, Duante was a 20 year old black man. Uh, police were trying to arrest him on an outstanding warrant. Uh, the police have made a statement saying that the shooting was an accident. Uh, there was a struggle as they were trying to arrest him. Uh, they say that the police officer tried to deploy a stun gun uh, grabbed his handgun by mistake and fired off the lethal shot. Um, the tensions in this area were already very, very high as the trial of Derek Chauvin, the <clears throat> former Minnesota police officer who's charged with murder was going through his ongoing trial. So um, yeah, really uh, tension-filled area. Uh, this happens now. Um, all the leagues have decided uh, that they will postpone the games. Uh, we'll see um, in the coming days what follows this, but I, I think it was a very smart move. And let's hope uh, there's not uh, rioting and uh, a lot of uh, damage that occurs to a lot of innocent people surrounding these areas. Yeah, yeah let, let's, let's, let's hope for that. But at the same time, if you're going to try to tell me that people are going to be satisfied with the with the explanation of, well, it was an accident, not good enough, never going to be good enough, not anymore. That's not going to fly. So I don't know what they're going to have to do to change the culture of the of the police in Minnesota, but something is going to have to happen. Clearly, clearly, because now with the focus, like I said, that is entirely on these police shootings as they should be and as they always should have been. Now that they have like teams, sporting teams that said, well, that wasn't good, we're not playing. And which makes additional focus and additional like intensity on these things. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that people are now actually have to really look at these, these situations and say like, okay, well, this is not, What's happening is not good enough. There needs to be a change. And there needs to be a change right now. Yeah, so, yeah, that, uh, that news really rocked me today. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I was hoping we wouldn't have to be dealing with that on our podcast. But I thought it was um, important to make a note that, uh, yeah, these games have been postponed. And, uh, yeah, hopefully there can be some reflection. And, and uh, yeah, scrutiny turned way up on these police officers. Um, deadly force is, is, you know, completely the very, 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 very last option. And, uh, you know, now that another family, another community has to be in mourning and, and uh, just starting to realize or starting to worry that uh, all this work and all the, you know, the hard work that they've done in this past year maybe hasn't mattered. And I hope, um, I hope they don't get to that point because you know I think the light has been shone on this problem and uh, you know I think there have been so many steps taken you know in the right direction uh, I hope that um, they don't stop doing what they're doing and trying to change uh, you know a very systemic problem 
Yeah, and as long as the, the change and the focus is still there to changing systemic racism, to changing uh, the perspective on how people are viewed in, in the public, especially black people in, in the US, as long as that change, that narrative keeps happening, then there's hope for the future. But we have to keep working towards the goal where everybody's seen as equal. Uh, I don't know where to transition from here. Uh, I wanted to mention this at some point, and maybe it's time to mention it right now. Uh, very sad to hear the news over the weekend that DMX lost his uh, battle and uh, has passed away at the uh, age of 50 years old. Um, yeah, tell me what that means to the, the rap world and uh, really sad that he couldn't um, get out of his battle with addiction. Yeah, and his battle with addiction was well publicized. Everybody knows about that. But at the end of the day, the man was a, uh, a rap icon. And uh, his music was a benefit to many that heard it and will continue to be a benefit to those that want to hear it. I, I love DMX growing up. I, I love the fact that he was so visceral and raw with his music. And it was just real. You know what I mean? Like he, he spoke from his, his truth, his heart. And I always respected I respect anybody that speaks with that kind of intensity, which is what he brought to the mic at all times. So uh, rest in power, DMX. Uh, you'll be sorely missed. And also, too, it, it's, his life is also like a tale of the struggle with addiction. And that you do have to keep struggling, but like the struggle in that struggle, you can find the beauty of a perseverance and then getting through it, getting above and beyond said obstacles and hurdles. It can happen as long as you as you stick to the course and you stay true to yourself. You can overcome these things. Contributed so much to the music world, uh, has songs uh, were in a ton of movies and uh, yeah, he leaves a, a very great lasting legacy to, for his friends and family and, and people that love his music. And we'll have to definitely put some uh, music of his on over the next coming days to honor him. Yeah. So uh, I do want to um, I, I do want to stay in the basketball world now. I, I want to uh, let everybody know that uh, tonight a history making uh, game can happen. Uh, Steph Curry is set to uh, set a record tonight. Um, TSN 3 here in Canada, ESPN in the U.S. Uh, will be showing the uh, Golden State Warriors uh, uh, Denver Nuggets game this evening. And Steph Curry is about to set a milestone. I'm going to tell you the details after we show you some Steph Curry highlights. Hey. <laughs> okay. Oh, there we go. Oh, wow. I don't. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No. It. I don't understand where it has gone. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to edit that out. Okay. Uh, 
Oh, maybe we got it right here. I will edit that part, but uh, here it is. Okay, there we go. Highlights Highlights are courtesy of lethal.shot underscore 16. Look at this. Look at this pass. Yeah. He was always known for a shot, but his pass and his defense. Look at that steal. There's another yep. pass. Like a shot. A beautiful, gorgeous between the legs pass. Yeah. Love watching him play, man. Look at all these. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's 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 good, man. He's real good. <laughs> nice. Okay. There it is. So Steph needs 19 points tonight to pass the immortal, legendary Wilt Chamberlain on the franchise, uh, the Warriors franchise all-time scoring record. 19 okay. points. I, I'm putting lots of money on it that he's going to get that tonight and pass the legendary Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, man, that's uh, exciting. Uh, he's he's the greatest shooter probably in the history of the league, and uh, great to see him pass such a massive legend. I hope they stop the clock. I hope they do a ceremony right after. I can't wait to watch that game tonight. I'm super looking forward to it, because I think I, I, I want to say it at this point in his career, He's definitely shown. He's the greatest shooter that we've ever seen. There's, there's, not, there's nobody that's going to be better than this guy for a long time. That's what I believe. And so with that belief, I think now once he makes this a thing, because he's going he's gonna to get this landmark. If not tonight, then the next game or whatever. But he's going to get it. I think now the conversation has to be had of making a statue of Steph in front of the arena. I, I think that might actually have to be a thing. I know Jordan has his at the at, uh, in Chicago, so maybe it's time for Steph to have have his in uh, in the Bay. You know? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I got a, a good friend Hendricks who's from the Bay Area. I can't wait to uh, converse with him a little bit about tonight and uh, all those Warriors fans out there. I've got my Warrior shirt here, my Warrior hat there. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch them. Um, a guy that just came in as a undersized, uh, non-athletic guy and uh, uh, had the bloodlines, but uh, nobody thought he would do this. And he's changed the way basketball is played. He's revolutionized the game. He's brought three championships to that Bay Area and uh, given Golden State and just an amazing 10-year uh, run there. It's just been incredible. 
Of course, it's 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 been so incredible to see because this this kid that people just didn't really want to give a shot revolutionized the game of basketball, revolutionized it. And yes, he did have the pedigree and the bloodlines, but I'm sure Del Curry didn't think in his wildest moments. I think he'll I think he'll be the best shooter ever. I think he I think he's the one. I think he's it. And so, like you know, as parents, you couldn't be more proud of both. Him and his brother, and his brother Seth, also in the league, playing for the Philadelphia 76ers right now. Yeah, he, um, yeah, even his dad said he thought he would probably play in Europe. He, uh, he, he didn't think uh, he had, had a shot. Uh, he only got one scholarship offer from Davidson, went there, took those guys to the dance, uh, March Madness that we just witnessed uh, wrapped up last week. And uh, this is our first cast since that happened. Uh, what did you think of that final game? We were doing it just on the on the eve of it, an hour before tip off. Uh, quite surprising that <laughs> that they uh, weren't able. Gonzaga wasn't able to get that undefeated season and uh, finish it all off. But um, it was uh, yeah, a really amazing performance by both teams all the way through that. Uh, what did you think of that game? Well, first off, I want to say I was right. I told you. I told you. Yeah, yeah, I, I did say that. So, yes, I, I just want to start off with that. But, no, man, I, I had a feeling because it is so hard to go through an undefeated season, right through the tournament, playoffs, whatever, right to the final game and win that game as well. That's a, that's, that's a monumental task. We've seen it before with Brady. Thank goodness he actually failed at something where he went through uh, his perfect season and fell right at the last moment, right? right? It's a hard thing to do. And I knew, I knew that Baylor's defense was going to be something else that Gonzaga has never seen before. I knew that for a fact. And Baylor's defense, that was like a buzzsaw, man. They were on it. The way that they switched, the way that they were aggressively, they hedged out on screen. I was impressed. I was in completely, completely impressed with their defensive scheme and how they basically took on Zaga right out from the start. Took him out. Yeah, yeah it was a, a yeah, very super impressive uh, tournament. Great uh, you know, run by both teams. It was nice to see number one against number two. And I think the UCLA game, that was so highly contested and so emotionally draining that I think that was um, uh, the undoing of Gonzaga. They, uh, they, you know, sort of uh, weren't able to get back up again after such a dramatic win in that semifinal game. But um, yeah, who knows how it would have ever turned out if they uh, easily beat UCLA. But um, yeah, hell of a hell of a tournament, uh, hell of a year, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I want to turn back to the Warriors. Um, James Wiseman, their number uh, two overall draft pick rookie year, has torn his meniscus in his right knee and will reportedly miss the rest of the regular season, uh, suffering the injury Saturday in the second quarter against Houston. Um, really sad to hear he had a great year this year and he was uh, really rolling in. He would have been a really uh, important piece as they try to get into the playoffs, uh, it was really too bad to hear that his season had to end this way. Yeah, that sucks. And it actually sucks, too, that, like, two of the top three 
picks in the draft went out with injuries this year, like LaMelo Ball also with his wrist injury, broken wrist. So it sucks, but at least the injury is not, like, really, really bad. It's a meniscus tear, and he can come back from that. It should be fine uh, with uh, the proper treatment. So I look forward to him coming back. But, yeah, it's going to be a big blow to uh, the Warriors' aspirations to get into the playoffs and play in the playoffs. They said uh, they think he's just out for the regular season. They haven't said playoffs as well. There's going to be a little more uh, MRI or some you know scans done to see how serious it is and possibly if they can make it in the playoffs in one of those last uh, spots, uh, making it into the play-in games, maybe has a chance to play. But, uh, yeah, it was really unfortunate news. Um, I also want to talk about the Warriors president and COO, Uh, Rick Welts announced this week that he's stepping away from his role with Golden State. He's going to be an advisor, but will not be president and COO anymore. He's been with the Warriors for the past 10 seasons, uh, a very, very successful decade, like we mentioned with uh, when we were talking about Steph Curry. Uh, He's been in basketball for more than 50 years. He started in 1969 as a ball boy with the Seattle Supersonics. 10 years later, he was their PR director and was part of that uh, lone championship winning team they had in 1979. He went on to spend 17 years with the league offices in New York. Uh, He also was part of the Suns organization. Great, great, great guy from all accounts. Uh, a native of Seattle. He went to the U- University of Washington. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, inducted in 2018. Uh, he was uh, also part of seven championships in his career, four in the NBA, two in the WNBA, and one in the G League. And his teams made seven NBA Finals appearances. So uh, incredible career. Uh, he's decided uh, this is time for retirement. And uh, so I wanted to make sure you were aware of this. So you knew of the job opening. You can put your name in the mix and uh, try to become uh, president and COO of the Warriors. And you know what? I think it's about time. I, I think it's the right move for me to make at this point in time. Yeah, I don't have like four decades of experience, or whatever that dude had, but I don't think I need it. I don't think I need it. I, all I think I need to do is tell Steph, I'm just going to need you to shoot the ball. And when Clay comes back, I need him to shoot the ball. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, dust off that CV, get your uh, resume in, uh, make it uh, make it really heartfelt that uh, you think you're you're the man for the job. And uh, I can't see why they wouldn't. Uh, I think uh, I think I think you're it. Yeah. Let's 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 start a campaign petition. Let's get signatures. Let's make sure you're in the seat. And then you can give me some inside information all the time on the Warriors. Uh, and we can have really good podcasts here uh, going on in the future. Oh, I, I think this is a slam dunk. I think this is a no-brainer. I think I'm going to be hired probably tomorrow. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Yeah. For any of you that don't know much about Rick Welts, uh, look into his career. Look into his his uh, life, uh, man, uh, amazing. He's been in basketball that long. Uh, incredible that he went from a ball boy to the penthouse. Uh, it's another story in sports that makes me appreciate how great sports can be. And, and for him to be a ball boy 
and Seattle guy and uh, end up spending his whole career uh, in basketball and uh, make it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, amazing, amazing story. No, it's 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 awesome. It's like a rags to riches type deal. But but also, too, it's not really that as well. It's perseverance. The man persevered. He just kept walking his path, climbing the ladder until he reached the very top, which he ultimately deserved to be to get to because of the work he put in. Uh, as I said, the Warriors are playing Denver tonight. Uh, they're fresh off a loss yesterday. It was their first loss in nine games. They blew a late 14-point lead against the Celtics, who uh, won their fifth and six. And uh, so, But it's going to be a great game. Denver's one of the best teams in the league and fun to watch. It'll be great to see Steph chase this record, and uh, I'm excited to see him break it. And, uh, yeah, let's hope they make an announcement that Jason's being hired and there's a statue going out front of the arena on Steph Curry right away. Yes, of course. Of course, because that would be the first thing I'll do once I get hired. That would be the first thing. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's turn to the Raptors. Um, Toronto uh, made the big trade. Uh, Norm Powell for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. And uh, nine games into... Gary Trent Jr.'s Raptors career. He had a 44-point explosion. Uh, was just incredible this weekend and uh, helped the Raptors get a big victory. Uh, finally getting to showcase his talent when he was behind Damian Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum. He just wasn't able to get that floor time. He was able to really showcase his ability, and he was just deadly from the floor, almost not even missing a shot the whole entire game. Uh, pretty incredible performance in in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, man. And also, too, I've always liked Gary Trent Jr. I've, I've always liked his game because his de- his game is actually predicated on efficiency. He's very efficient when he gets the basketball. And now that he doesn't actually have to pay behind the two major, major superstars of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, he can now just show his skills. He can just play. He can play free and not worry about anything. And now we're seeing... We're seeing the boon of that. We're seeing that this trade is actually probably going to do us really well for the future because Gary Trent Jr. has a very, very bright future ahead of him. I I think it was a great trade to begin with. I think we got two pieces for one. And now that that we see how Gary Trent Jr. has been playing, the trade's looking better and better every day. Chris Boucher had an incredible game the other night. And... The Raptors also picked up uh, their sixth Canadian of all time, Kem Birch. He went on waivers, uh, was released by Orlando. Uh, He cleared waivers and the Raptors decided to sign him. And he um, is coming in. This is his fourth season in the league. Uh, As I said, he's the sixth Canadian suit up for the Raptors. This Montreal native comes in. Big body, six foot nine. Can uh, take up a lot of room on the floor, good defense. Uh, not a huge scorer or rebounder, but uh, I think he was a good piece to add. And it's nice to see the Canadian returning to his favorite team and coming home. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great, to, great to see him appear uh, the other night as well. Uh, it was fun fun uh, acquisition. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it's great that we're, we're also promoting our Canadian talent, right? So you guys want to come home, then come on home, man. 
and it's it's I, I I think he'll he'll do well in the Raptors scheme of things. Like you said, a big body presence that can guard in the paint, and uh, hopefully we can see him blossom in uh, as he's come back home to the Raptors. Uh, I want to mention those six Canadians, those other five Canadians, uh, Chris Boucher, I just mentioned Corey Joseph, who's um, had a fantastic game as well this past weekend. Uh, then we have Jamal McGlure, who's a coach with the Raptors currently, uh, Anthony Bennett and O'Shea Brissett. So uh, yeah, really nice. Uh, now that there's only one NBA team here, um, these uh, it's great to see some Canadians come home and, and we can, um, yeah, promote them and, and talk a lot about their, about their contributions to, um, yeah, to basketball and to the country as a whole. Uh, uh, Canadians are really emerging as a as strong presence uh, in the NBA and, and have for the last few years. So uh, let's just briefly touch on the standings and what things are emerging. Uh, the Raptors were just mentioning they are two games behind the Bulls for that 10th position, which will be that play-in games, uh, 7 through 10. Uh, the Bulls have, were bo able to bolster themselves a little bit in that trade deadline, but uh, the Raptors are up and down, up and down. Uh, do you think they're going to be able to get themselves in Pacers, Bulls, Knicks, or the teams that they're chasing? Uh, realistically, it's, I think it's between Chicago and, and Toronto. Uh, again, I, like I said before, I think it's going to be tough. I, I think there has to be consistency to the Raptors game. Um, most importantly, I think on the defensive end and, and if, if their new acquisitions can keep playing stellar, like Rodney Hood and especially Gary Trent Jr. I think it's possible, but like I, but like I said before, I, I think the one thing, the one thing that has to be continual for the team's success has to be their effort on defense. If they have great effort on defense every game until the end of the season, they'll, they'll give themselves a shot. They really won't. Uh, the Nets suffered a loss against the undermanned Lakers. Uh, that was quite the shock over the weekend. Uh, no LeBron, no AD, no Drummond. Uh, the Lakers uh, made a bit of a statement maybe against, uh, against the Nets there and that were still able to take them out. Yeah, no problem for the Lakers. Um, but I believe that that was KD's first game back. And then, oh, oh hold, hold on. It, was that also the game? Is that also the game that Kyrie and Dennis Schroeder got kicked out of the game? Yeah. All right. First off, Dennis Schroeder was having a great game in that, in that respect up to that point. I think he had 19 points. But great move by Dennis Schroeder. You want to know why? I think it was way better for Kyrie to get tossed out of the game and then him as well than the other way around in that, as opposed to Kyrie staying in that game and giving the Nets a chance to win. I thought that was a brilliant move on Dennis Schroeder's part. Savvy veteran move to get under his skin and get him tossed because then all of a sudden that game was really easy for the Lakers to win. And I think they blew him out by 20. So, yeah, there's something to be said about that. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I would trade. Uh, I would make that trade all day. If I was the Lakers, uh, get Kyrie off the floor. Truder. Yeah. We can probably uh, make do uh, losing Kyrie is a big, a uh, big loss for the Nets. So you're yeah. right. Yeah. Very right. Uh, let's turn to the West a little bit. Uh, Jazz are still on top two and a half ahead of the Suns. 
Uh, Clippers have won five in a row. They're sitting in third position, four games back of the Jazz, uh, eight and two in their last 10. Actually, the top four teams in the West are all eight and two in their last 10. So uh, really, really strong teams there. Uh, there, yeah, I think it's going to be a dogfight in the West uh, between all four of those teams. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally can't wait till the playoffs start because the West is going to be a, a dogfight to the end. Every team in the West will be dangerous. Every team is is going to be a problem for the other team. Like especially the top four teams. Any of those top four teams, as far as I'm concerned, come out of the West. Any one of those teams. So. It's 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 going to be exciting. Yeah, Lakers have slipped down to fifth. Uh, Blazers are in sixth. Mavericks seventh. Grizzlies eighth. Spurs ninth, and the Warriors tenth. Uh, Spurs have been on a really bad losing streak, but Demar Derozan hit, hit a butter buzzer beater last night to uh, give them the victory. They sit ninth, and Pelicans are chasing the Warriors for a tenth position. Uh, as I said. Uh, Losing Wiseman's uh, going to be a little bit tough uh, for the Warriors to keep playing well. But, um, yeah, uh, why don't we um, turn to um, talk a little bit about the UFC. We had a UFC card this weekend. Uh, I do want to mention our partners and sponsors just to um, begin with, though, and then we can uh, move on to the UFC talk. So let's start with Anchor, a uh, fantastic partner for Complete Sports Media. Really great at posting on multiple podcast platforms. They call themselves the easiest place to make a podcast. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm and follow the details there, and you can have a podcast going as well. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company. They're the industry leader in technology, performance, and value, and the V350 stick is a must-have for any hockey player. Pampas and Possibilities, they design and sell dried florals, do floral arrangements and do installations. And Forever Living, the Aloe Vera Company, they grow and manufacture aloe vera-based products for health and beauty. So as always, we want to thank our partners and sponsors. And um, yeah, let's uh, talk about the UFC. Uh, there was a another fun card, uh, 15 fights. Uh, uh, I think they decided they would show it early so that the European or the other side of the world uh, fans had an opportunity to see it more in their time zones. And uh, it was interesting to see that it started at about 8.30 in the morning here and it went to about 3 o'clock at night. So a lot of fights on this card. Uh, the main event was put together after Darren Till um, had, was forced out of the fight due to injury. Kevin Holland stepped up on three weeks uh, after his fight against Derek Brunson. And uh, Marvin Vittori proved that he's um, right at the top of this division. Uh, he dominated in a five-round fight. And, um, yeah, what, are, what were your thoughts? Uh, how did you like the main event? I'm going to be honest. I liked it. I, I, I liked it because Holland was different in this fight. Holland, Holland was the difference, and that's why I liked the fight. I thought that he had a chance to rectify, to try to rectify the things that he did not do well against Brunson. And I'm going to say this. Yes, he did lose the fight, but he really tried to rectify the things that were lacking in the Brunson fight. I saw the, the, the fact that he was not talking 
as much. He was about his business and he was trying to get about his business in a serious way. And also too, whenever he got taken down because Vittori, he knew what his path to victory was, follow what Brunson did, lean on the man and get the win, which is exactly what he did. But this time though, Holland fought tooth and nail to not accept the position and to always fight to get to his feet. That was the difference. And that's why I was more impressed with this loss than, he, than the previous loss against Brunson, because he fought. He fought very hard. But the thing is, within that three-week span, the deficiency in his game was, well, it's clear now. It's clear to everybody. Takedown defense. If, if, he, if he works on his takedown defense, people are going to have a lot of problems with this dude. And he also mentioned it too as well, getting stronger, putting on more muscle onto that lean frame. You're not going to be able to do that in a three-week period. But now that this has happened, he has now two losses, but now he has a path to victory. He knows what he needs to do to get better. But for the time being, Vittori, dominant win. He showed his his class. He showed the, the fact that he deserves to be in the upper echelon of that division. And uh, yeah, it was it was it turned out to be a dominant win. But I was very much impressed with the way that Holland carried himself in this fight and the way that he fought this fight. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that he can fight on such short notice after a five-round war with Brunson, taking a lot of damage, a lot of shots. Uh, he's able to you know, come in and, and salvage the main event. Uh, you got to give him tons of props for being able to do that. He looked much mm -hmm. better, as you said. Uh, he wasn't talking so much. He was actually trying to make maneuvers to get off the ground when he was on the ground. Uh, there was a lot of things that he did wrong in that Brunson fight that he seems to have yeah, changed his uh, style and the way he was. And he's become more maybe of the trailblazer instead of the big mouth. And I like that a lot. I was um, you know, quite critical of him after that performance against Brunson. Uh, I, I really wish he would have um, utilized his seven inch reach advantage a bit more. Uh, I, I didn't think he um, uh, kept him on the outside as much as, as he could have. Um, the, uh, Vittori was able to set a middleweight record with 11 takedowns. Uh, so his takedown defense has to get, uh, way, way, way better. And, uh, I've heard that he's approached Daniel Cormier to try to train him with his wrestling and with his, uh, grappling. And I think that's a very smart guy to approach and ask to, uh, help him. Uh, hopefully he gets a, um, a long, uh, really good training sessions uh, with DC and uh, that whole entire team and can uh, step up his game so he's a lot more well-rounded. Yeah, yeah. And also, too, like, give himself some time before he starts, uh, steps in the octagon again because, like, that's now what he needs. He needs practice time. He needs time to, like, sharpen those skills, those tools in the tool bag, so to speak, so that once he comes out again, because now, hey, let's be honest, people know the way to beat this guy take him to the ground and lay on him, wear him down, right? So now that people know that, that's the thing that you're going to have to get better at. But five times from May to December, and now he's fought already twice in the last three weeks. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's time to go back to the drawing board, get your skills better, and, and really, um, yeah, uh, you know, demonstrate that you can handle the whole entire thing. Because like you say, everybody's just going to take him down and, and uh, yeah, gonna beat him that way. Um, has Vittori, uh, 
shown enough to get a rematch with Adesanya? Do you think uh, he should be uh, next in line? He says he won that fight against Adesanya last time. Uh, what are your thoughts about him? Um, yeah, getting another shot at it. I don't know. He does how he does. He does make a, a valid point, but my intuition says that he's still a fight away for whatever reason. I, I, I still think he needs to fight one of those guys in the top three, possibly because I'm a little bit biased because of the fact that we've already seen them fight before. Maybe, maybe that's that, maybe that's part of it, but it just seems to me that maybe just one more fight because it's not clear cut and dry who should be fighting Adesanya next. Because if if I had a, if I had to make a choice, I'd think it would be Whitaker. Because wouldn't he have the strongest um, um, argument for fighting the champ again? Because of what he's done. So it, it, there's there's a question mark there. There's questions on who should be well, fighting the champ. Well, we're less than a week away from Whitaker Gastelum, so oh, you know, right. yeah, that's uh, that's the main event uh, this coming Saturday. So okay. Okay, uh, right. yeah, whoever wins out of that one, uh, yeah, probably deserves the shot uh, before yes yes okay so yeah i forgot about that so Whitaker's play so yeah whoever wins that fight i think is going to be fighting adesanya and then maybe after that then vittori gets his shot maybe or or he still has to fight one more person it's one or the other but he's incredibly close now and he knows it yeah the italian dreams looking great uh i think you're right i don't think uh his competition has been uh, hot, top level since he lost to Adesanya. He fought uh, Cesar Ferreira, Andrew Sanchez, Carl Robinson. Uh, he beat Jack Hermanson before um, Saturday's win against Holland. So, uh, yeah, I think he, he needs uh, another tune-up fight. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for that middleweight battle. It's kind of cool to see two weeks in a row, uh, top middleweights battle for the, the right to um, go after the belt next. Oh yeah, no. It, it, it this is great. This is great because you you need you need that clear that clarity uh, within like uh, all these divisions on who's going to be the guy that's going to step up and fight the champ. You need that so that you can figure out who's next and who's next and who's next after that. Okay, let's talk about the co-main event uh, that featured a fe featherweight battle between Arnold Almighty Allen and Sadiq Super Youssef. Uh, Youssef went in as the favorite uh, coming off of um, the uh, four UFC wins, Dana White Contender Series. He was on a six-fight win streak. Uh, he uh, came up against Arnold Allen, who a lot of people said, don't sleep on this guy. He went to Montreal, started training under Parasa Habi and the TriStar team there and uh, looked really good in this fight. Um, I was Super impressed with uh, his takedown defense, his striking. Uh, there was, uh, yeah, it was a lot to like in this fight. And uh, I think Arnold Allen uh, really emerged as a, as a really big force in this division. Yes. Yes, he did. I mean, the, the funny thing about this fight was just how close it actually was. Because Yusuf could have ultimately won this fight. Except... He made two mistakes that were two huge knockdowns in each round, which lost him the rounds, actually. Those knockdowns lost him the round. 
And because Allen's defense, the way that he slipped punches, it was moving side to side movement was exemplary. It was, it was, it was so good that it was hard for Yusuf to find the target. It was hard for him to hit this guy. And then when Allen hit him, he hit him hard and he put him to the ground. And I, I was just amazed by the technical aspect of this fight that really within the UFC, the game is measured by sometimes not inches, but centimeters. Like if you, if you just make this one tiny mistake, that can cost you the fight. And normally Yusuf would have won a fight like this against anybody else other than Allen, but he lost this fight. And that's how close it was. But hey, props, props to Allen making the change and making the benefit to himself by going there uh, uh, being coached by Faraz Sahabi. Yeah, it was great. He came from England, decided he wanted to train in Montreal. I guess uh, GSP is a is a guy that he deals with on a daily basis in that gym, and must be nice to you know end up rolling and you know learning and getting mentored by one of the greatest of all time. Uh, really cool to see uh, Faraz Sahabi still uh, doing really great things. I thought I thought Sadiq um, won that third round, but uh, like you say, the uh, those knockdowns in the earlier part of the round, the takedown, uh, yeah, I think uh, won the first two rounds to Allen, and he was able to, um, yeah, take take the victory. So uh, he's got uh, he's got uh, the second longest uh, winning streak in that division. Uh, Volkanovski and Zabit are the only two that um, have longer win streaks. So uh, look out, uh, world for. For Alan, uh, what about the middleweight bout between Smiling Sam Alvey and uh, Julian the Cuban Missile Crisis Marquez? Uh, I, I like this Marquez guy. Uh, Sam has uh, reached a pretty critical point in his career. He's uh, losing a lot, and I don't know uh, what's going to happen with him. But uh, Marquez uh, stepped up and got another huge uh, submission win and uh, took the victory. Galvey wasn't smiling too much in this fight. Like Marquez, the one thing I always like about Marquez is he's, you can tell with his intentions in the octagon, he's coming to rip your head off. Like literally he's coming to rip your head off. Like there's no, there's no two if, ands, or buts about it. That that's what the man's mission is. And so when he started off, he put the pressure on Alvi, put him on his back foot right away. And it was almost like you could just wait. You were just waiting for like the hurricane to be unleashed. You're just waiting for it. And then it happened. And he rocked him. He rocked Alvi more than a, cu a couple times. But Alvi, being the man that he is, the veteran that he is, he's super tough. And it took him a while to get taken out. But once he did, he really did. And then that, that bulldog rear naked choke, like it literally, that was his forearm digging into the man's carotid artery. And then, and he did not, he went out on his shield. That's the other thing I want to say. <laughs> Alvi, Went out on his shield. He refused to tap, but it looked like he died once he let him go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He went to sleep a little early there. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, pretty impressive performance by Marquez. Uh, last time he fought, he did the call out, and you and I talked about it. He called out Miley Cyrus and said, uh, hey, let's go out on a date. Uh, be my Valentine. And she's accepted. And then he blew it. We talked about that. Uh, this time he decided to call out uh, some athletes from his hometown, Kansas City, Missouri, and he went after the Chiefs and he said, 
I want Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes, and I want to challenge them to a pickleball or badminton match. And all three have accepted. He, he uh, he's going to get a chance. I hope we can get some cameras out there and get some footage of this. But uh, there's going to be a uh, a big crowd around the pickleball court coming up uh, if this match actually happens. I, I'll give him credit, man. Uh, the man does not waste his time in the sun. That's for sure. He, he's got these crazy ideas that apparently they're working. It's working. <laughs> I don't know how it's working, but it's working. So all the power to him. At least he makes it fun. And which is, at the end of the day, yes, it's a completely brutal sport. But it can be fun, and the man's having fun. It's good to see. Uh, I don't know much about pickleball. I think it's um, mostly, uh, you know, a bit of a retirement sport. But uh, <laughs> uh, if if anybody's local here in Canada and is watching any of the TSN hockey footage, uh, Craig Button, one of their hockey analysts, uh, you'll see him sporting a black eye, big cut underneath his eye, on his eyebrow. It's a pickleball injury, according to him. He, he uh, hit the deck, his sunglasses uh, cut his face when he absolutely smashed his face into the court. And uh, I've never seen a pickleball injury in my life until now. But uh, if you guys are watching any of this hockey trade deadline talk, uh, look at Craig Button's face. And uh, maybe Marquez uh, has that advantage. Uh, he's been cut and bruised a lot. And probably these football players have never had to battle any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would be his only advantage. That would be it. That that would literally be it. Because if you're going to try to tell me that Marquez is a better athlete than those three guys, no. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he sure makes it fun, though. That was hilarious. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, people were responding to his call-out, so he might just have to keep them coming. Uh, let's talk about the, the women's fight, uh, a strawweight fight between Nina Nunez and Mackenzie Dern. Uh Mrs. Amanda Nunes uh, finally comes back. Uh, she just had a baby, and as we all know, uh, ranked number five in the division, uh, facing Mackenzie Dern, who came in ranked number 11. And, um, yeah, I, I could see the rust on Nina, and Mackenzie took advantage. Uh, she was able to get a really great takedown, uh, finally get an armbar submission at the, the end of the round and get the big victory. Uh, Mackenzie looked fantastic in this. And I think Nina, yeah, she's uh, coming off of uh, giving birth and having some rust. Uh, it was great to see Amanda there supporting her wife and uh, really fun. But um, yeah, this was Mackenzie Dern's night. You can tell Mackenzie Dern is literally one of the best jujitsu ju ju practitioners in the UFC, period. She is one of the best. Like when she got top position, every movement was not wasted. Every movement was efficient to get to the end goal, which was ripping off uh, uh, Miss Nunes's arm off her body. That was the end goal. And she meticulously did it, fundamentally did it. I, I was super impressed because it was just, as you're watching this go down, you're just like, oh, it's just a matter of time now. It's just a matter of time now. And then, Eventually, she got to it, and that arm bar, I'm really glad Nunes tapped immediately, or else it was going to be completely broken. 
completely broken. But at the end of the fight, the other thing I was very impressed by was the amount of respect between all three women once they came into the ring together. There's a tremendous amount of respect there. I wasn't actually expecting that. So uh, I don't know if they're friends outside of the octagon, but it sure seemed like that. So um, uh, definitely uh, uh, a very, a very dominating win by Dern and just shows that you're probably better off not going to the mat with this one. You're probably better off trying to stand up and fight her because going to the mat, it's not going to end well for you. Yeah, no, Mackenzie was strong and yeah, I, you know, I love the respect. Um, they all, um, yeah, really uh, respect of all. Uh, she's, uh, she's tied uh, with the most submission wins in USC hi women's history with Jillian Robertson. Uh, she's also, yeah, she's just, um, yeah, she's, she's just emerging. Uh, I think she's going to move up the ranks into the top 10 and, and face some really great competition. But look out, world, uh, Mackenzie Dern's coming. Uh, okay, so I heard Everlast, uh, the punching bag company, has hired Mike Perry to be the guy that they send to gyms around the world to be the punching bag. Uh, he is, uh, he has just decided that he won't move his head anymore when he gets in and he'll just try to walk through guys and take as much abuse as he can. Uh, this is, I think the beginning of the end for Mike Perry's UFC career. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez was uh, the latest guy that uh, severely beat up Mike Platinum Perry and, uh, D-Rod uh, is, is a tough, tough, tough guy. So is Perry, but uh, he doesn't know how to move. He doesn't know how to get his head out of the way. Uh, and he just took a ton of abuse again. You're absolutely right. He doesn't get his head off the center line. He, does, he has no movement whatsoever. I'll give him this. He's exceptionally tough, but that nose is, he's not going to have a nose after the end of this UFC career. It is broken. It got broken again. Like it's always to the side of his face now. Like it's, it might, he might as well just leave it there. Um, and Rodriguez looked great. Like his, his stand up, his boxing was super crisp. Um, I, th I think Rodriguez might have, may have even alluded to it, but he was impressed that Mike Perry was still standing at the end. He, Perry took some freaking bombs in that, in that matchup. He took some ball. He took some, he took a beating that I don't think he necessarily needed to if he would have just, if his style is can have the ability to change a bit, to adapt, to move his head, like you said. But I don't know if he can do that, man. And if he can't do that, these guys are getting so much better and so good that if you don't move your head, then they're just, it's just, yeah, you're a punching bag, man. Definitely gonna, a punching I looked up uh, who, where Perry's camp is. I still can't find it. Uh, I don't know if anybody's picked him up. I don't know if he's still using his, his girlfriend as his main coach uh but um yeah the, the guy's um uh, he's uh yeah just he, he needs to i think uh, look at a new career possibly uh because yeah he's really 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 taking so much damage and uh you know i've taken a lot of broken noses but this guy takes the cake i think he's gonna set the guinness book of world records uh his nose just takes a severe beating and and uh, it was it was a little bit tough to watch him get so beat up, but uh, yeah, he's tough, like you say. But um, yeah, I think uh, somebody's gotta tell him to you know either train with real fighters and get a game plan on how to get away and duck and move, uh, or or you know step away from the cage. Um, Eddie Bravo and Joe Schilling were 
Um, in the corner for uh, Rodriguez. Uh, that's his first full camp he's had in years. He's been the, the step-in guy, come on really short notice. Uh, really impressive performance. Uh, I haven't seen him fight that great in a very, very long time. But when I hear that he hasn't had a full camp in very, very many years, uh, I understand why. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's, he's become, uh, yeah, one of those must-see uh, must guys. Uh, super fun to watch and and um, yeah we'll we'll see his um, him uh, hopefully get another full camp and get an opportunity at a top guy. Uh, the main fight in the prelims featured two really fantastic grapplers in Jim Miller and Joe Selecki. Uh, both of them were able to get the guy down and and hold him down pretty much the entire round. Uh, Selecki was able to get two rounds and Miller got the one. Uh, yeah, I, 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 this was just a grappling war and, um, Jim Miller's getting a little bit up in age. Uh, this is the new wave. Joe Selecki came in and, and got a great victory. And that's that. And that's exactly it. Like, it just seemed like Miller as, as, as great a shape as Miller's in, it just seemed like he kind of ran out of youthful gas, so to speak. He just kind of got worn down and, and, and also too. These guys are so good on the ground that it was completely technical grappling exchanges, you know, with Miller getting the first and then select Selecki literally getting the last two. But at the same time, they kind of nullified each other on the ground. So there wasn't that much excitement going on in this particular fight, but all credit to Selecki. He managed to grapple a legend in uh, Jim Miller. So a uh, great win by Selecki. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, very great win. Uh, the lightweight battle between Matthias Gamrot and Scott Holzman was a, uh, a really good fight. I enjoyed it a ton. Uh, the Polish power came out. Uh, we saw Jan Blachowicz uh, displayed against Israel Adesanya, and uh, Gamrot came in. He got his first knockout of his UFC career. Uh, he's a former KSW feather and lightweight champion. And he's 18 and one now in his career. Um, yeah, wow! This was a this was a fun fight against some two really really big combatants. Yes, and Holtzman didn't even look like he belonged in the weight division. And the man is huge. Like I, I honestly do not know how he makes that weight. Like that, he doesn't. It doesn't even look right. Like it's just like well, <laughs> I don't know why you're down here, but all right, that's cool. Um, but with that being said, Gamrot was exceptionally, he was exceptional. Perfect one, two down the middle in the second that put him down, sat down Holtzman. And then, and then he put him out with the ground and pound. That was it. That was all she wrote in the second, man. And uh, Gamrot looked really good against the guy that was, uh, looked like a hulking terror. Like I, I honestly did not know how he was going to approach this fight and attack this monster, but he managed to, it was like a David and Goliath, and he he took him down. Impressive, yeah. That right-hand shot right on the button, dropped him. He was on his hands and knees, and then he came in. He fed him some shots. Jason Herzog came in and finished it off. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's incredible sometimes when we see uh, the size difference in these guys. And so often you're you're thinking you're going to pick the, the bigger guy. And, uh you know, to much of our disbelief, so often the, the smaller guy figures out a way to, to pull it off. And, and this was an example of that for sure. 
Oh yeah, man. It, it most certainly was because like it, <laughs> the size difference between the two was, was almost out of this world. It was, it was crazy to see. It was crazy to see, but Gamrot, great win by Gamrot, man. That was, uh, yeah. The, the man has skills. He's got skills. Okay, um, we talked a little bit about Montreal, uh, Farasa Hobbies, TriStar Camp, GSP there. I've been to that uh, gym there, and it's fantastic. Uh, John McDessie is a Montreal native. He was making his 18th UFC appearance, and uh, he was able to get the huge decision win here. Um, man, uh, I was uh, amazed. Um Ignacio Bahamondes is a super, super tall guy for the lightweight division. Uh, was had a huge seven and a half inch reach advantage, uh, but McDessie was able to just pursue him, uh, throw some very, very powerful shots, buckle his legs on a couple of occasions, get a knockdown. Uh, he ended up taking a split decision win, getting his eleventh UFC victory. Great to see the bull still on it. Yeah, yeah. And he looked great. And a lot of things with uh, McDessie is the fact that he's a slow starter. But in this fight, he, he turned it up a bit. And it obviously served him well. Because Baham, 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 oh, man, Bahamadis, Bahamadis. Yes, that guy. Uh, <laughs> he was, he's a volume striker, right? That's how he approached this fight. And that's what almost won him the fight. But I think it was the fact that McDessie had crisp counters and the fact that his punches when they landed did more damage than Bahamidis did. That's what won him the fight. And the fact that he didn't start slow, he fought him and he fought him well. Right. And he didn't let him get, uh, get the fight taken away from him from volume of strikes. He fought with him. You're right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great to see the bull still doing it. And uh, I was really happy that he, Took it to him early. He didn't take tons of abuse to start with. Uh, he was able to, yeah, just uh, get in in on the young guy. The young guy is only 23 years old. Uh, he was able to get in on him and, uh, and and throw some very very tough punches and, and get the the big win. So good on him. Nice to see another Canadian getting the victory. Uh, this the fight right before this fight was a battle of some really big giants. Uh, I love both their nicknames. Uh, Jarvis Danha is called Man Mountain, and Jorgen De Castro is called the Mad Titan. So two huge guys coming in, uh, both just swinging for the fences, trying to knock each other out. Uh, massive KO by the Man Mountain. He got his first uh, victory in about five years. Um, he almost retired. Uh, he's 37 years old. Hadn't fought in a really long time, and he was able to get in there and just absolutely fold the Castro like a lawn chair, and KO him severely, and get get the victory. Uh, he was one happy man after this fight. Yeah, and he and he caught. I, I want to say he caught the Castro coming in with a short right check hook. And when you have men of that size, that that enormous bulk, throwing punches and kicks, it only takes one. For the other guy to go to sleep, and that's what it was. And Dan Ho got his, got that hook in on the Castro. All all she wrote. Two minutes left in the round, and a great win by Dan Ho, and well deserved win after five years of struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was. Uh, yeah, he 
His last appearance was September 2016. So uh, we're talking quite a, quite a long time. Uh, he's got five first round finishes, all by knockout. Uh, once he hit DeCastro on the temple, um, Mike Beltran wasn't even able to get in there before he landed a huge hammer fist on him and, and accentuated the big KO. Uh, this guy, Man Mountain, is uh, huge. I hope he gets an opportunity very soon. Uh, way, way, way too long since we've seen him. I think most people actually even uh, forgot that he was part of the roster. So um, nice to see him back and uh, getting a huge win. I love seeing uh, huge knockouts by the heavyweights. It's incredible how a huge human, about 260 pounds, can hit the deck in uh, half a second after taking a big wallop by another guy about the same size. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, man. That's, that's what the big boys do. Big boys, big power. <laughs> okay, uh, finishing off the off the card, we had uh, Jack Shore and Hunter Azure. Uh, Shore got the decision win. Tank uh, was good on his takedowns, relentless action, and uh, was able to, yeah, really uh, out wrestle the wrestler in this one. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, he out wrestled the wrestler in this particular one, and also too. His, uh, his, his striking was clearly better than as yours was. But at the end of the day, he out-wrestled the wrestler and got a dominant win. And also, too, I want to I mention this. Oh, I am so happy that the Reebok uh, contract oh, is over. Yes. I am so happy. The Venom gear looked on point. It looked awesome. It looked great. It was fantastic to see. An MMA apparel company that actually does that get in and do it and showcase their wares way better. And I'm so happy that the, the, the athletes are making a little bit more from this contract than the last one. And they don't have to wear those ridiculous fight kits that Reebok has been carting out there. Uh, this is much better. Yeah, you and I uh, texted while the, uh, the card was going on about this. Uh, I heard about it last week and i was going to mention it on our podcast then and i uh, i didn't just because i hadn't seen the gear yet and i i had seen some of the um parallels between the reebok deal and this new venom deal and i wasn't impressed i was seeing that they got about two thousand dollars more per fighter uh i was like ah, that seems like peanuts you know compared to a lot of the endorsement deals they had before Reebok came in, uh, suddenly Reebok uh, became, you know, the supplier of uh, endorsement deals across the board. And I think a lot of guys lost a lot of uh, sponsorship opportunities and a lot of money. But uh, when I saw the gear, uh, I was like, holy cow, finally, uh, something that I want to buy, something that young people are going to want to buy. They're going to want to wear it to the gym. They're going to want to wear it to... Uh, when they go, you know, into you, the um, cage, into the ring, uh, when they walk around, they go onto the beach. Uh, I didn't see anything ever around the communities that was Reebok. These these weren't loved. They weren't great. They didn't look cool. They weren't an MMA company. They were a running shoe deal. And uh, it was amazing that USC even made that deal. But it's great to see a, a fight promotion finally on i hear it's a six-year 70 million dollar deal um so 
I I'm actually hoping that because I think they're going to see a huge uptick in fight gear sales that they'll be able to uh, at some point add a bit more money to the coffers of these fighters and we'll see them get paid a fair amount. I hope so. I hope so. I, and I, and I, I do believe that because now you actually have a company that actually their focus, their concentration, their, their business model is focused on fight apparel. <clears throat> Whereas Reebok definitely was not. Reebok just kind of got into it because they thought to themselves, well, we can make money doing this. And then they did it poorly. They made no money off. And hopefully they never get back into this space again because they're not very good at it. Simply said, they're not very good at it. You shouldn't get back into the space. You know, this is not, this is not your thing. This is not your deal. And it's definitely not your world. All right. So I, I'm just glad that the UFC has rectified that. They actually are with a company that does that that boasts, does MMA, and it's it's fantastic to see. It's just so much better already, just from the eye perspective. So much better. Yeah, I wish we would have. Um, I wish we would have talked about it a little sooner. Uh, I I do have some Venom gear, and I was gonna sort of uh, hang it up and put the apparel around. Uh, I I've always liked Venom gear. Uh, they have great gloves. They have great shorts. They've got great uh, fight gear. Completely, um, I heard from. Uh, lots of my friends that you know said the same thing, and uh, they really, really like it. Uh, Stefan said that his gloves are venom, and and many of the many of his gear has always been venom. Um, okay, I do have to make a, I have to make a note. I made a mistake earlier saying that it, this deal was a six-year, seventy million dollar deal. Sorry, the Reebok deal was a six-year, seventy million dollar deal. This deal. Uh, they haven't said the uh, length of it. It's a bit shorter, I've been told, and not as lucrative money-wise as the Reebok deal, but the majority of the money now goes to the fighters. Uh, most of it was going to the UFC. Now, uh, across the board, the fighters will see an increase in pay compared to the, the Reebok deal that they had. So uh, I'll try to find some more details. I can add it in the comments um, when we post this on all the uh, different platforms and uh, but yeah yeah very big kudos to the UFC getting this done and um, it was also great to see the UFC for the second time on ABC uh, one of the major networks in the US uh, they had the uh, main card on ABC uh, we watch it typically here on TSN but uh, really nice to see for the second time they were able to get a um, uh, an afternoon slot and uh, yeah, show it to uh, their American viewers all the way across the nation. Yeah, because it, it's becoming more and more uh, mainstream. And with it being on ABC in a very good time slot, it's showing that it's becoming more and more mainstream. So it, it's, it's great for the sport and it's great for all those involved in the sport. So... Uh, one last UFC note. Um, oh, uh, I did mention Gastelum uh, Whitaker next weekend. Uh, that's the next fight to really um, look forward to. Um, who do you have in, in that battle? Whitaker. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I think that guy is, is a man on a mission. And I think he really wants his belt back. Uh, Gaston is extremely dangerous, and Whitaker will not take him lightly. 
But from the way that he fought Darren Till, I think Whitaker wins this fight. Yeah, good call out. Uh, yeah, my money would be on Whitaker too. Gastelum, a uh, hell of a career, a lot of great battles. Uh, gave out Asanya, one of the toughest battles he's ever had. But um, yeah, my money would be on Whitaker there. Uh, the co-main has Jeremy Stevens against Jakar Close. We've got a heavyweight battle between Andre Orlovsky and Chase Sherman. Uh, Luis Pena is fighting on this card. Uh, a lot of good battles. Uh, pretty excited about uh, that card. Two weeks from, uh, well, Saturday, one week from Saturday, the uh, USC 261. Uh, something to really get excited about. They promoted it tons on this weekend's card. We've got uh, the welterweight main event title fight between Kamara Usman and Jorge Masvidal. The rematch, Masvidal uh, only had uh, five days notice or something. Uh, had to lose 22 pounds in a day or two and uh, had that built-in excuse, I guess. Uh, do you see this fight going any different to uh, how it went uh, last time? Yep, completely different. It's going to be a war. I'm, 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 mark, my, mark my words. This is going to probably be the toughest fight Usman's ever been in. This is, this is going to be it. This is going to, this is going to be it, man. I, I thought that immediately when they first fought the first time that I'm like, man, I wonder what would happen if Masvidal actually had a fight camp to fight this guy. That was my first and only thought in that fight because I knew Usman was going to win. How, how are you, you going to beat a guy of that magnitude on five days' notice? You don't. You don't. But, uh, simply said. But now that he's had a full fight camp, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pack your, pack your lunch pail. It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. I, I can't wait. It's going to be a war, man. I think it'll be one for the ages, personally. Yeah, and uh, this card actually has three title fights scheduled as well. Uh, hopefully, everybody stays healthy and no COVID, no injuries, no troubles. But we have get the women's strawweight fight between Weili Zhang and Rose Nami Yunus. Uh, Weili has been phenomenal uh, in her career, uh, 21 and 1. Uh, Rose coming in, former champion, uh, really wants to take that belt back. Uh, do you see Rose being successful in uh, her bid to try to wrestle the belt away from Whaley? I think it's going to be really close, but I don't know. I don't know if she can beat this this woman. Whaley has shown um, superior skill yeah. in a lot of her fights. So I, but also too Rose from her that last fight with Andrade, she showed perseverance and will to win. You know, like because she got hurt very badly at the end of that fight and she still hung on and got the win so i again i i look forward to that fight i think it's going to be a dog fight but my choice would be the champion i think uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, people looking so much bigger than their weight class i think Zhang looks just so much bigger than rose and uh, it seems like a mismatch when you come in uh Whaley's so compact and she has so much power uh, she moves really well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough test for Rose, but I'd love to see Rose, um, you know, give her a hell of a battle. And, and if she can win, that would be amazing. You mentioned Andraj. Uh, she's fighting for a belt as well. Uh, she's trying to uh, wrestle the belt from your favorite fighter in the association, Valentina, the bullet Shevchenko. 
uh, <laughs> I know where you're going with this, uh, but uh, uh, do you think Andrade can give her a good battle? I think she can give her a good battle. I think this is probably the best battle out of any of the contestants in her division can give her. But at the end of the day, Shevchenko wins. Sorry, you don't have enough. The only person that has enough to beat Shevchenko, which has already been seen, is Amanda Nunes. Champ champ. She has two belts. And that's the only person that can come close to beating this champion. That's it. That's it. So, yeah. I, I wish I'd drive the best, but yeah, you're going to lose. So, there you go. Uh, this will be the first fight with fans in the stands since the pandemic hit. Uh, they sold it out in an hour in Jacksonville, uh, going to Florida, which has been decimated with COVID. Uh, USC is excited. I don't know if I'm so excited to see that many fans in the stands with this still. Um, wreaking havoc on the people's health out there. Uh, it's going to add an element that we haven't seen for a long time. This is a hell of a stacked card. A lot of uh, really amazing battles on, on this card, but uh, what are your thoughts about them having it in front of fans? Uh, okay. Um, I, I, you may not know the answer to this, but like they're only doing it at like a twenty percent capacity, I, I imagine, right? Or thirty? No, no, no. They're oh. stacking the whole, oh, uh, good old Florida. Yeah. Anyways, so with that being said, not, I, I, I don't think the state of Florida is doing it right. Let's be honest. You know, like that. That sounds like more like greed to me than anything else, and not taking into account people's health and safety concerns like at all but it'll be nice to see fans out there and stuff and let's be honest i'm not i'm not i'm not there i'm not in that space so i'll enjoy it but the, what the ufc might actually have to deal with and hopefully they don't there might be fallout from uh-oh we had a lot of covid spikes during that month weird i wonder how that happened huh <laughs> but i hope it doesn't happen like that I guess you could also say for the UFC, this is a little bit of a tester to see if how this is going to go, to see how they're going to create boundaries for like their fighters and for the staff that does the staffing for the UFC. They don't they limit their interactions with the fans because they're really going to have to do that. That's that's going to have to be a thing. So. True. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they can go into some sort of little bubble there and uh, yeah, avoid, avoid too much contact. Uh, this is a stacked, stacked, stacked card. I mentioned the three uh, championship fights, but we also have Uriah Hall facing Chris Weidman, former champ, Anthony Smith facing Jimmy Crute on the main card. Uh, we've got Alex Oliveira facing Randy Brown, uh, Jamaican boy. We've got, uh, uh, Brandon, Brandon Allen facing Carl Robertson. Uh, so many battles. Uh, another really, really, really fantastic card that we get to see in uh, a week and a little over a week and a half. So super excited. Uh, the last UFC comments I want to make is, uh, have you heard this fallout with Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor? Have you heard the latest? No. What happened? Uh, Dustin Poirier said that uh, Conor McGregor promised uh, his foundation half a million dollars if he agreed to um, this third trilogy fight. Uh, he supposedly 
um, he uh, Conor McGregor supposedly said he was going to pledge this amount to him uh, two or three months ago, and uh, they did. And he said that Conor McGregor has stiffed him. Uh, he's not giving him the five hundred thousand dollars. And no matter how many times they've tried to contact them to get the money into his foundation, it hasn't been reciprocated. When Connor heard that he called him out on social media and uh, to the media as, uh, as a whole has said, this fight's off, we're done, I'm retired again, see you later, fight's done, I'm not fighting this guy. And uh, so I don't know where we stand. It was supposed to be the trilogy fight on July 10th, but... Uh, war of words has erupted in the media and uh, supposedly Connor says this fight's off. Uh, well, I guess ego, you know, ego's a huge thing. Um, I, I Obviously, there's, some, there's something else going on behind, behind the scenes. Clearly, there's something else. It's not just this. This is a smokescreen for something else. I don't know what it is. But if you're of a certain, like, level, celebrityhood, and you have money, and you promise to give money to a charity. Well, then just follow through. That's all you got to do. Like, 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 it's a charity, right? And this is now, as a man, this is your word. Or as a woman, this is your word. But it's your word. So if you value your word, then you'll just you'll just own up to it, and you'll do what's you'll you'll do the right thing. But I and I don't know what would have happened in Connor's world to say that. Well, half a million dollars. Now I don't have that kind of money. I thought you just made a hundred million a couple of years ago. Like that's interest. So, anyways, <laughs> it's unfortunate. And if it doesn't happen, I guess it's not really much us fans can do as opposed to just get on Twitter and be like, why don't you babies stop whining and just get the fight on? And then somebody else can, if Connor, you got other rich friends, maybe somebody else can spot you the half million, you know. And then pour you and get off your back. I don't know, man. I don't know. It it, it seems like that just that just screams of ego to me. This whole thing. So, whenever. Yeah, uh, I do really appreciate all the things that Dustin Poirier does for his local community. His foundation is called the Good Fight Foundation. I recommend our viewers and listeners to to go to their website. Um, they do a heck of a great job. Uh, him and his wife put so much money and effort into uh, local causes there. It's really fantastic. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, Connor uh, honors his word and, and puts that money in, and we can get this fight on. Uh, everybody wants to see them fight for this trilogy fight and, uh, yeah, uh, settle it once uh, once and for all in the cage. Uh, disappointing news to hear how that's gone down, but... Uh, Connor Lips getting into wars of words with most of his opponents, and uh, it's a bit of a mind game sometimes. So um, we'll we'll see what falls out, but we'll uh, I'm, we'll have a few uh, weeks or months to uh, break this down and see what happens. Um, final word goes to the NFL today. Uh, I heard some disappointing news that uh, Julian Edelman uh, is set to retire. Uh, the Patriots terminated his contract over the weekend due to a failed physical. Uh, he had a lot of knee troubles last year, only appeared in six games. Uh, really fantastic uh, receiver, one of the best of all time. I know he's with one of your uh, you know, uh, arch nemesis teams, but uh, you got to give a lot of props to Julian Edelman and 
uh, does look like his career is about to end. That's sad, kind of. Um, <laughs> no, you know what? The, the man was a warrior. Uh, he played the game well, and he caused me no end of strife in my life. So it is it is unfortunate to see that his career is ending in this way off of an injury, apparently. But at the end of the day, though, too, sometimes you got to listen to that body. And the body's saying, enough's enough, then it's enough's enough. And I, I do believe the man has done well with his money, made a lot of money. So I, I wish him the best in the future in his endeavors. Definitely well said. Uh, yeah. Well, all the best to him. I hope, uh, I hope the knee injuries don't, uh, you know, f- uh, fester and have lots of problems into his old life. Cause I hate seeing old NFL or uh, CFL football players in general walk by me and shuffle by like old, old, old men way advanced in their actual years. And, uh, it's a tough sport. Uh, he played it at such a high level, went across the middle, took Tom Brady's passes for so, so, so long. Uh, such a small guy, but incredible warrior and had a really, really great career. Uh, yeah, we'll see. There's been no official news as of yet. I'm not trying to, you know, send him packing yet, but it looks, <laughs> it looks like, uh, that's the move. So, uh as always man um fantastic uh, way to spend my monday thanks so much for doing this a bit early today and uh hopefully we can both get out there and enjoy the sunshine and uh, yeah i guess we'll look forward to a great week ahead and and uh, doing this again next monday yeah i look forward to it next monday uh you have yourself a great week my friend and uh we'll see each other soon okay sounds great buddy take care all the best bye for thanks. now all right. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Well, uh, thanks as always to our fantastic viewers and listeners and our partners and sponsors. Really appreciate all your support. Uh, thanks again, Jason, for your time. Uh, lots of laughs, lots of great uh, analysis and breakdowns. Uh, I love, 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 love talking uh, so many sports. Uh, him and I don't touch on hockey very much, but uh, being the trade deadline day, the holiday here, in Canada and uh, across this nation. Uh, Great to talk a little bit of hockey with him. Ending on the NFL, talking about some tough stuff today, but uh, really also nice to uh, talk about a lot of fantastic sporting events that happen on a weekly basis, and especially these uh, jam-packed weekends. Uh, We look forward to them. And uh, yeah, I always look forward to doing this. So Thanks again. Love you guys. Take care of yourself and have a great week ahead. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Love you. Take care. Bye for now.